What's up, y'all? It is Will here at ScheduleFly. Today is Thursday, July 23rd, and once again, I am very fortunate to have Emily Blunt on the phone. Emily's down in Oxford. Uh, she's with owns St. Leo and St. Leo Lounge and is uh, one of my favorite people. Emily, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me back. Uh, what's the last time we talked? Was it in March? Yeah, March or April. I mean, you know, it seems like an eternity ago because so much has changed so quickly, and it's like it keeps changing so quickly. But, um, yeah, it was early on in this. And since then, y'all have uh, – what are you doing right now? You're moving the lounge to the, the restaurant and the restaurant to the lounge, or am I, am I crazy? Yeah. Yes, you're you're correct. Um, so I, we didn't move to do curbside right away. Um, I just sort of paused and was trying to wrap my head around everything, and you know, apply for loans and grants and government assistance and or government assistance and all of that. Uh, and during that that time, I I realized that the long-term and short-term better business model was for me to put the full service restaurant into the larger space and move the cocktails and the snacks to the smaller space. So the original St. Leo. Um, and I love the original St. Leo space so much. I think it's a really special, um, really good feeling place. And so that was kind of hard to wrap my head around, you know, uh, this first baby, changing um growing and, and morphing but uh i realize it's really the it's really the right thing to do for the business um it, so we'll we'll be able to you know, more successfully social distance um and have you know much more space the original saint leo was really really a small shotgun um building and also the facilities at the new space at the lounge um are much better for the full service restaurant. So we've been working on that and we're slated to open um, for indoor uh, dining by probably the third week of August. And then I'll put the, you know, like I said, I'll keep the original space and put the the lounge into that. Um, But, you know, it, I think we also, well, I don't think we, I, I thought that, hopefully our trend would be going downward right now and the fact that it's spiking and going up is definitely concerning so saying Mm. i'm reopening feels a little counterintuitive to um you know the actual state of the pandemic Mm. but you know here we are it's pretty day by day i feel like things um change so rapidly uh but we are just continuing to march towards this um this opening date and and quite honestly i mean we've been doing curbside now since the middle of may and uh, for long-term survival we do have to get reopened so uh that's a big part of the consideration how far apart are the two locations they're just like about a block away from each other really close okay so yeah still never an easy move i mean that's a that's a big deal. All the equipment and all the, I mean, just, there's a lot that goes into changing those spaces, I would imagine. 
Yeah, you know, so the, each one had its, um, the lounge when we built it out was built for events, so the kitchen was already there. We okay. made a few changes. Um, we are moving some of the equipment over from the original St. Leo, and I did put in a second pizza oven uh, because with the seating capacity in the lounge, when we ever get back to normal times, one one pizza oven wouldn't um, be enough. So we made some uh, kitchen improvements, uh, but the majority of the, you know, of the equipment and all of the plumbing and electrical and venta hood, all of that was, was already in the lounge. Um, I just kind of needed to rework some of the seating. Uh, we... Um, put in a ceiling we didn't have a ceiling before i mean we had a ceiling but not a finished one um so little things like that but you know the details um are are what generally take time when you do renovations so um it's been moving pretty quickly it's not a really in-depth renovation but we did do you know enough that it's taken us it'll be about eight weeks of of work by the time that we get in there Mm. and so and when did you say you're opening? August 4th? Hopefully the third week of August. Oh, around, the third week of August. Yeah, around the, around the 19th, I'm, I'm hoping for. Um, we, you know, I, I really want to put my employees back to work. Uh, and the federal unemployment um, benefits run out. Actually, I think this is the last week that they can file for it. But the renovation isn't completely done. So... We're trying to get open as quickly as we can um, in August for for that reason mostly. It's gonna be interesting. I think I, I saw something. I, I believe that they're gonna extend federal em- unemployment benefit time period, but who knows? I hope so. Um, I, I really, I genuinely, really do hope so. I I understand that it makes it harder for employers to get people to come back. However, with everything that's going on in the economy you know, we're not going to be able to have staffing levels to the, to where we were before. And people need to be able to take care of their basic needs. And that, that stimulus, you know, that $600 a week directly impacts the economy. And I think for the better. Um, So I, I really, I genuinely hope that they extend it. What are the policies in place down in Oxford right now in terms of capacity and so forth when you reopen is it 50% capacity yeah we're at 50% um right now and uh, masks are mandatory uh social distancing is also mandatory um and you know I just actually came from a, a restaurant owner meeting because we're all trying to get together and trying to, you know, propose, make some proposals to the city to help us, you know, be able to survive and navigate this time. Um, you know, it's, it's just so, it's so difficult to be at 50%. Um, restaurants don't, don't really function that way. I mean, it doesn't help. It doesn't work for our numbers. You Mm -hmm. still have to staff essentially the same amount, um, for half of everything and you know we're paying 100 percent of rent and 100 percent of utilities and yeah um and been working harder than ever really um you know especially also putting into play all of these new practices and the protective equipment and uh, um and gear and 
you know, all of the things that we need to do to keep people as safe as possible, uh, you know, employees and customers. So it, it's, it's challenging for sure. There's, um, I don't think that there's any direct pathway forward that's going to be easy. But I, I guess the biggest hope right now is, is just survival um, until we really get to the other side. Do you have the ability to see people outdoors where you are? We don't. Uh, and that's one thing that we were talking about is trying to propose to the city to allow every place that wants to to apply for an outdoor permit and to, you know, figure that out sort of on a case by case basis. Um, I personally don't have any outdoor dining space. And I think that that would make a really big uh, impact if we did. Um, are there enough businesses where you are to propose just blocking off um, part of town and, and having just one-way traffic maybe for um, emergency vehicles only or just one-way traffic or something so you could start using some of the streetscape and things like that? Yeah, that's that's sort of that's the proposal that we are trying to, um, you know, get support behind and also work out the the details on um i think there's a lot of ways to make that happen and a lot of creative ways uh i think it's happening it seems to me like it's happening in cities all over uh it is. so i'm i'm really hopeful that oxford will be um amenable to that and, and i believe that they will i mean you know the city needs us we need them we we all need to work together and try to find positive outcomes um or sustainable outcomes you know for us all to get through really the rest of 2020 and probably the first half of 2021 if not all the way through 2021 i mean I, that sounds extreme but who knows well, yeah, being where we are right now would have sounded really extreme in, in February of uh, <laughs> of 2020. Right. So uh, you certainly could be right about that. What Do you talk to owners in other cities that have had success with um, local policies that have enabled them to do that? Yeah, uh, you know, I have a friend um, who owns a restaurant in L.A. who who has um, applied for and gotten an outdoor permit, and that's been really helpful for her. Similarly, um, I, you know, have another colleague friend who uh, owns establishments in Detroit, and they're really, I mean, the out their outdoor spaces is what is, is getting them through. So all of that is really helpful. Um I also have a friend in Winston-Salem um, who I think that she had a good amount of outdoor space, but um, I, I do think that it seems like a lot of a lot of cities are, you know, just trying to be as amenable as possible. I, I think they've even done it here in Tupelo and maybe even Jackson. I'm not 100 percent sure about that, though. But, yeah, I, I you know, I'm if you had patio space before, I think that that was really lucky. And if you didn't, you know, you're hoping that the, the, the cities will work with you, which I think, like I said, I think that they will. I hope so. I think it is quite interesting to hear the different ways that different cities and states are approaching this. I'll tell you that your friend in Winston-Salem, and I could be wrong or I could be wrong at this point because I know this stuff is fluid and it changes. 
but I've been in North Carolina pretty much my whole life, and I love my state, but I'm very disappointed in, in some of the things that um, our politicians have done here. And, and one of those mm-hmm. is, y- y- let's say you have, I- I'll just, I'm, I'll use easy math. If you could seat 100 people indoors prior, okay. uh, and now you've, but you've got this really large outdoor space, um, and you decide, okay, look, gosh, we could, you know, creatively, we could set up tables out there. And of course, now we're, since we used to be able to do 100, now we're at 50, uh, at 50% capacity, but we can make up that 50 right outside. Well, in North Carolina, again, maybe this has changed. So I'll, I'll put that asterisk in here. But as of a week or two ago, you couldn't do that. You, you could not uh, have, you know, 50 in, 50 out. Um, you have to have 50 total. So period, in and out. Well, that it, that's 50% capacity according to the way that they've done it here, which, which is just one of the most frustrating things about this, I've got to imagine, it certainly has been for me speaking to you and your peers, has been, you know, having your hands tied, so to speak, in so many ways by politicians who often have never run a business, certainly right. never run a restaurant, and really don't understand how incredibly harmful that can be. You're a very creative, gritty, hardworking, thoughtful, intentional group of people collectively. Restaurant owners are. You can only do so much of that when you just get hamstrung. Yeah, that's um. I, so I hadn't heard about about that, but that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree. The whole point is to try to make up, um, you know, is make up for the lost volume and and you know. Speaking from experience, I, I definitely know sometimes when you're dealing with policymakers who don't have um, experience, you know, in running a business, it, that is very frustrating. Uh, there's a lot that people don't know, um, you know, what goes into making things happen and, and the true cost of, of, of running businesses is um, it, it sure is a lot. Well, l- let me ask you this. Now, I say that I say North Carolina. So uh, they're go- You know, that's based on what the governor has put out and what uh, his attorneys have have suggested based on you know his policy. Now, then the question becomes: it, within your state, is it something that's decided at the top, or is it something that's decided at the city? Now, most um, states, most of the owners I've talked to, the, the top down approach has been fairly broad and then it comes down to you know can we um lobby our, our local politicians our our county commissioners or our mayor or depending on so in your set in your situation this is a, a city by city um it is yes so um for example at the beginning of the summer our our mayor was very open to having outdoor dining but the aldermen were not going to allow alcohol outside and at that time, you know, everybody thought we would be, you know, not here now. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, well, it's about to be so hot outside. If we can't do alcohol, let's just concentrate on curbside. And nobody really pushed the outdoor dining. Uh, and now what it's become apparent that they're going to have to work with us and, and be more lenient. Like, you know, I'm not saying 
they don't need to turn it into an entertainment district where you can walk around with cups. I just, they they need to allow dining space outdoors that I would treat just as my own dining room and be subject to the same, you know, regulations as my dining room, just in that outdoor capacity. Mm. And so that's my, that's my hope because it is, you know, it is city by city. Like I said, I, you know, Jackson had totally different alcohol, um, uh, you know, they, they didn't restrict it. You could get cocktails to go. You could, you know, have them outside. Um, I'm not sure about Tupelo, but Oxford was not open to that originally. And, and we're really hoping that they're going to, um, you know, meet us halfway on that for mm. sure. Well, I hope so. Um, so if you have any interest, um, you know, I'm happy to connect you with other folks that have had success. Um, like Karen Hoskin, I spoke to her. It was like last week, I guess, uh, at Montana Distillers out in um, Crested Butte. And Crested Butte's done, a, from what I understand, mm. what I can tell, a very good job of enabling these businesses to, uh, you know, move outside uh, during this. Oh, and they've, that's they've, great. they've changed the traffic patterns. They've cut things down to one lane. So there's all these people walking around. I think they have tents. I mean, it's, it's a pretty cool deal. Um, so, you know, they had success with their... Um, mayor or city council or whoever made the decisions i don't i don't recall but um i I hope that we can learn from you know learn from what other cities are doing and and uh have you know good examples of that to share with our local politicians and anyway i mean if you uh, have any interest i could connect you with karen uh or anybody um i know you got your hands full so no worries if not but just let me know and i'm happy to uh because maybe there's some you know, there's good ideas floating around right now, um, yeah. and a lot of them are local, so they stay. You know, it's just it's hard to uh, find ways to take those ideas and and leverage those at scale across mm-hmm. uh, 50 states and thousands of cities and ta- hundreds of thousands of cities and towns. So, um, I'm, I'm you know we're trying to do everything we can to connect those dots um when possible because there are a well, lot of really you. good ideas oh well yeah and that when, yeah which, no i would love to be connected um i you know i know that I, there's a lot of support from the restaurant owners and um bar owners in oxford but as with any of those things you know you need to come to the table with a really clear ask and measures and i mean that's the most successful way to get what you want so using um people who have done it successfully before would be super helpful yeah i'll connect you with karen she's awesome she's she's got a rum distillery up there in crusted butte montana distillers boy that rum is really good um i mean sounds delicious i think i'm ready for some right now yeah yeah i think you'd really like karen she's a very very sharp business lady i've had her on here four or five times in fact i stayed with her and her husband when i was in crusted butte and mid-February right before all this stuff blew up nobody was you know I was just thinking about snow skiing then but um but uh yeah um the and but that also brings me the, the idea of taking these ideas and finding ways to um to promote them and get them out there effectively brings me to the idea that um I sent you earlier I'd love to get your thoughts. That's Sean Stokes at Lunar Rotisserie. He's in Durham uh, and uh, second location in Carberry, North Carolina. His father owned an HVAC business, so Sean kind of grew up in it. He worked for his dad for a while, you know, growing up. I think he has a very thoughtful proposal on, you know, the reality of the situation of 
indoor, you know, whether you can have outdoor seating or not, you know, that will last until it lasts that, you know, when weather gets cold or on days when it's, I mean, I've got to imagine there's days in Oxford when good grief, it's bad enough here in North Carolina. I can't imagine down there on a <laughs> 95, you know, degree, it's so hot. you know, crazy humidity that people just aren't going to go outside. So then this gets us to, okay, well, we can't operate at 50% indoors outdoors whatever and there's points where people just need to be inside or they're not going to go so what do we do to um create a a safe environment inside uh that is you know literally safer um statistically safer uh for our staff and for our customers and then how do we um also just psychologically make our staff and our customers feel safer about going inside. So are there things we can do? And I think Sean has this amazing proposal um, from, from what I've seen um, to, to possibly help accommodate that. What, what do you think about it? Well, so yeah, I just read it and was like, wow, this is super cool. I, um, I, you know, read a while back one article about the UV um sterilization is that what it is yes Mm -hmm. um and and was definitely interested in that but i have not spent a lot of time thinking about you know um my actual hvac system i've I've been thinking about how to open windows and keep doors propped open and will that freeze up the the machine every time because it is so hot um but yeah no i i thought that that was um really interesting and yeah the hard part is 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 we are sacrificing of course you know doing the right thing by by people but sacrificing by by moving our our numbers down and and stuff um and it's so it's hard to wrap your head around adding another expense Mm. um i mean that for me is is hard i'm like oh if you know $5,000 Five thousand dollars for twenty five hundred square feet. I have four thousand. I have six thousand between t- both places. That, that, that being said, you know the peace of mind of taking that percentage. You know, I think they said it was ten percent, and it goes down to two point five percent of potential. You know, viral um, yeah. infection. You know, that's that's pretty that's pretty huge. Uh, so. I'm interested. I mean, if, if, if I could have that done and know that that would actually, you know, provide that, I would, I would probably get on board. Well, Oh, go ahead. Well, sorry. I was just going to say, you know, what we know by now is it's not going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, until there is a, until there's a vaccine, um, in my opinion, you know, the virus is, is here and we're just going to have to figure out how to, how to work with it. Yeah. And that seems like a good option. Absolutely. I mean, the high level summary folks that are listening. And by the way, um, if you want to hear more, Sean was on here a week or two ago and he got into some of the specifics about this. In addition to that, if you want to, um, hear more, you can uh, get in touch with me and I will send you this proposal. Um, oh, cool. 
Oh, yeah. Anybody listening, just shoot a note over to support at schedulefly.com. Support at schedulefly.com. Just say you want to see the proposal for uh, air quality improvements in restaurants, and I'll shoot it to you. So the high-level summary is, number one, is, it, is increasing the exchange rates of fresh air by uh, making adjustments to the hood system. And uh, so he gets into the details about that. And the other is uh, air purification through, uh, you know, basically putting UV uh, – light purifiers within the ducts and uh so there's more detail about that and then of course the third part of this is getting certified in some way right so so that we you know just like when you go now and you see a you know a a grade a restaurant health grade or whatever and you go oh they got an a you know you just you don't even for a split second you don't even think about it and you just you feel good about it so there's there's maybe ways that we can make people psychologically feel like look this is this is some darn clean air in here like you know it's it's i mean there's no guarantees on anything but showing that there's work that's been done significant investments that have been made and all these unique things it's a good story to tell to the consumer and this of course is not just relevant for restaurants this would be relevant for i mean think about it if you know you own an office building and uh you've got all these commercial tenants and nobody wants to come back to work and you make these adjustments and tell them that story so i think sean's idea is brilliant and he also has i mean he has some good ideas for their the funding too you know ways that maybe y'all wouldn't hopefully not have to foot the whole bill and there's a lot of people that have a vested interest in your success particularly as he mentions in their you know food distributors and so forth that may um provide food credits and things like that for for doing this so this is i think this is a really really fascinating proposal and we are going to do everything we can on you know on our end at schedule fly to float this around and and get some momentum and see if you know we can um get people to start really thinking about this because this is where you take something that's really out of your control and you begin to start to get your arms about around it and control as much as you can and the the air quality improvements are massive you know on a relative scale and on a percentage scale this is I mean, again, it's not guaranteeing anything, but a health quality score of A doesn't mean you're not going to get, a, you know, one in a blue moon customer might get food poisoning. You know, it's just, it happens. But if you feel psychologically safe, and this is what we really need is the consumer to feel, you know, I know there's always risk, but I, I feel like they've been uh, mitigated as much as possible. I'm going inside that place and sitting down and having a meal because we all want that so bad right now. We all want to go yeah. in, inside your place and feel comfortable and relaxed. Your staff want to come and feel comfortable and relaxed. You want to feel like we've done everything possible. We can't hammer out every single risk, no matter what, for this virus or anything else. But people just need to feel okay. And right now, people don't feel okay, but we can get there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's. Um it, it, that it seems like a major puzzle piece in in the figuring of it out and i mean gosh they need it in offices they need it that in schools i mean every yes i, yes. I would feel amazing if my kids school had that 100 percent um yeah very very cool i um i want to know more i'll listen back on your you know the podcast that you did with him oh for sure yeah i actually um so I'm not sure when they were on. I, about a week ago, I listened to um, Evan Funky and um, Evan and Janet from Felix Trattoria. Mm-hmm. Felix Trattoria uh, owners were on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he said that uh, they're out in Los Angeles. 
they're a customer of ours. And so I saw that. I was like, oh, I got to listen to this. A customer's on Joe Rogan. And um, he said that they're his favorite restaurant in the entire world. And he had them on, I think it was like in April. And so it was before the second wave hit. It was very interesting uh, listening to them talk about the business side of this and then the passion side of this. Um, Evan is the head chef there. He's got a lot of passion for what he does. Janet Zuccarino has been running successful restaurants a long time, and uh, she talked a lot about the business side. But I thought it was really interesting. And then I I literally sent sent them this proposal. Uh, I said, look, um, check this out. Let me know what you think. And if you're interested, it would be really cool to get this into Joe Rogan's hands and uh, see if he'd have Sean on there to talk about this because he's somebody that has the juice to kind of move the needle on this because of his, mm-hmm. you know, his reach. And um, he talked in there. He gave a – he kind of, you know, he gave a, a, a really impassioned commentary about the importance of of restaurants – in our communities and how we need them. We need to, that's where we go. And we, you know, we spend important moments in life with our friends and our family and our colleagues. And, um, we're communal and we need that. And we, we're at risk of losing some or a lot of them. And he, I just thought, well, if that's how he feels, you know, I don't know. So anybody listen, if you know anything about, you know, if you know, Joe Rogan, <laughs> let him know he needs to check this out. <laughs> That is so, that is so cool. I follow Felix and I'm totally inspired by them all the time. That's cool. I need to go and and listen to that as well. Um, Yeah. Wow. Um, It's a great, it could be in the test pilot group. I want a UV thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll connect with UV purifier. I'll connect with Sean too. And uh, you guys, y'all can rap about it. Um, He's a great dude, really smart and uh, you'd like him, but uh, yeah, check out that episode. That was a great episode. Um, I, I have, I could have listened to Evan and Janet talk to him for. I think they were on there about two hours. I could have listened to two more hours easily. Um, his passion for what he does is really infectious, and he's very much into simplicity. And it's just, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I won't spoil it. But listening to him talk about food, it just makes you appreciate it at a level that is, you know. Um, beyond what I had and I really like good food and I like good restaurants and I have for a long time and I love everybody that we serve and love y'all but listen to him it's just like golly it's like listening to this brilliant artist talk about their craft and the thinking that goes into it yeah so cool yeah Um, how's your staff doing Emily um you know I think uh so I had a staff of about 77, a little bit more than, than that. Um, and I, right now I have eight people. Um, so, you know, I, I'm employing only 11% of, of where I was. Mm. Um, I think they're really worried about the, about the unemployment running out. I think that they are, um, rightfully concerned about the future. I think they want to come back. I think that they are ready to have, you know, their jobs again, and they're, they're ready to, um, move into us in back into the familiar, even though it's so, so changed. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, you know, some people don't want to come back. We've had a, a good amount of people who have moved away or, um, you know, um, 
decided that they don't they no longer want to be in the service industry and and that was to be expected um and and so yeah it's uh it's it's a trying time you know especially just with the insecurity um especially with the insecurity of like what what's going to happen next with the you know the federal um Mm. unemployment stuff and you know and and they're taking a, a, a significant risk by coming back to work uh, and so that can't be overlooked either. Um, but, you know, the ones that I have back right now are, are happy to, um, to, you know, be at work every day and I'm happy to see them and, and to keep on keeping on. Yeah, for sure. Eight out of 77. Um, man, how, when you reopen on the 19th, how many would you anticipate having back? <laughs> Oh man, that's a really hard question. I've been really trying to wrap my head around how best to operate when we reopen. Um, we used to be open for 12 shifts a week at St. Leo and five shifts, I think, at the lounge. And we're going to reopen at a slightly lessened um, shift number uh, just to sort of see how things are going. Um, so I'm, I don't know how many exactly. I actually, right after this, I, I have a manager meeting where we're going to be talking about the schedule and, mm. and staffing in particular. Uh, you know, I think as an employer, my biggest hesitation is I don't want to bring people back and not be able to give them enough, um, enough slash also, you know, I, I know that we're anticipating, you know, sales being way down. So I want to make sure that, um, you know, I, I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver um, sure. on, an, on the employment side. So I want to make sure that I can take good care of the people who do come back. And uh, yeah, that's been honestly weighing on me a lot. I just, you know, it, it it's really tough. I mean, 50% capacity and, and, you know, the insecurity of people not wanting to eat out. It's, uh, hard to, it's going to be hard to give people the job that they are used to, you know? Well, yeah, it really is. I hope y'all are able to get some outdoor stuff going and, um, which may yeah, free that up so a little too. bit. I really do. It seemed, well, I, tell me about Oxford. I mean, I, I, I've heard so many great things about Oxford. I've always randomly just one of those places I've always wanted to go. Um, it seems like a unique um, town with a lot of history. You've got um, University of Mississippi there. Um, what's, tell me about what's going on in the town there. Are, are the students going to come back? So... You know, I'm not up to date in the fullest, but I, they are having in, in-person school is coming back, but not at full capacity. I don't, I think that all of the freshman classes might be online, which mm. would mean that the freshmen are not moving into the dorms, I suppose, but they are having some dorms that are open. Uh, you know, the SEC is, hasn't, announced what they're going to do with football yet that will obviously be very big for us um football season is really like our our bread and butter for the for the whole year uh so yeah i mean just a lot remains 
be seen. Um, Oxford is a town of about 20,000 when school is not in. Um, we're, you know, about an hour, an hour and 10 minutes south of Memphis, um, with the very, you know, north part of the state of Mississippi. Um, there's a lot of very cool things that happen here. Of course, a lot of it is, is brought by the university. Um, but it, it's a, it's a really diverse and, um, and cultural and interesting small town. And when, when school is in, when Ole Miss is in, you know, we're about 44,000, I think. Mm. So it is definitely small. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think everybody, it's my sense that everybody thought that, that the virus wouldn't be spiking now. And so, you know, they were going to have school back, but now that it is spiking, um, it, it just seems like everything is, questionable is it um yeah how, how do the how do the young younger staff feel i mean they seem to be statistically um doing pretty well if you're you know under whatever under 35 or 40 or whatever it is i don't pay a lot of attention to the details but i just it seems like most folks that are younger uh personally probably don't have a lot of risk but of course they have a lot of risk of exposing others that are at risk but i'm just what's what's the mentality around that is it i mean i I know that they want to they're worried about you know their concern is about unemployment running out but what about the virus itself you know um i think it really depends you know at the very like in the beginning of march when we didn't know what was happening and uh, you know we weren't shut down quite yet it was like right on the verge some people, my, as, as it was unfolding, I told everyone, if you don't feel comfortable coming to work, please don't come. Like, you won't be penalized, I, but but I, I don't want to force you to do something that you are uncomfortable uh, with. And a good, several, well, a handful of employees did not feel comfortable and didn't want to come. And I would say that I've noticed that, uh, you know, with the, with the return of, of the restaurant that just some people are like, I really don't feel comfortable and I don't want to come back. And then the other ones are, they, they seem to be fine uh, and want to come back, but I don't, uh, to be honest, I really don't know like how, um, what, what it is personally that is driving them. If it's not fear or if it's just, you know, employment based. And it's, I think it's some of both. Um, so yeah, I you know I don't know. Uh, I, I I assume I'm going to find out a lot more once I get back to training and stuff. We just haven't gotten quite there yet. Hmm. Yeah. I um. Okay. So much is changing so quickly. It's so hard to figure out what to think. Um, when you say and you say it's spiking there, and I hear that a lot about a lot of places. Is it spiking in? Um number of and obviously there's a lot of there are more positive tests that's what spiking is um but are you getting a sense that people are um are there more deaths or i mean are the hospitals overwhelmed there or are are... yes so mississippi is i mean we are breaking a record every day with new cases Mm. and i believe that the majority of hospitals in the state of mississippi are at capacity so, you know, there was a time when maybe 
Lafayette County, which is the county that Oxford is in, was having like, I don't know, 30 new cases a day or something. And that is doubled or or tripled. And it is doing that consistently. And I could be off on that number. Um, I look at a lot of numbers all the time. So uh, anybody who is listening, don't take that number um, to heart. But it's just the trajectory of of the whole state and this county included is um is on a major is on a major spike and like i said the the hospitals i do know that in the state of mississippi right now if they're not completely full they're you know on the verge of it okay gotcha gotcha um yeah mm. So well, that's the hard part, because then you're going to introduce, you know, the whole student population who hasn't been here. Yep. Um, and even if they don't all come, uh, you know, it's going to it, it's going to drive the numbers going up and the, the amount of positive cases up a whole bunch. But the other difficult part about that is um, when you get tested in, and you're not a resident, it gets reported back to the county that you are from, not the county that you're living in. So... It, that is also a hard part about being in a college town is that you're not necessarily seeing accurate numbers. It gets reported to the county that you're from? Yeah, so wherever you have residency, that's where it gets reported from. So even if you are, you know, living here temporarily while you go to school and you're from Dallas, your number gets reported as a positive case for Dallas because that's your, you know, your residence. Yeah, that's very weird to me. That doesn't make a. I, I don't understand that. I mean, especially. Yeah. I mean, look, I get it from under normal circumstances, things like that, whatever. But in a situation like this, you would think they would parse that more and say, okay, well, there's 20,000 students that just rolled up on the set in Oxford and, you know, 4,000 have this. That's 4,000 more people here that have it, not 4,000 more people that are from right. 4,000 towns across the country and the numbers get back there. That's very um, unfortunate. But there's some, I mean, good grief. It's like every part of this has some crazy, unfortunate, weird thing where you're scratching your head going, that doesn't make sense. What the hell? No, I know. I mean, and so, you know, some of the local clinics here have now been reporting those cases to the city. So that's helpful. But, you know, they're reporting it um uh, you know, I mean, I don't know how official it is, but it, it's also like they they get that report like two weeks later, you know. Um, so mm. there's definitely kinks in the system um, with, without a doubt, especially on that front. How are you taking care of yourself through this, Emily? You, you mean you, you got a family at home, you got these restaurants, you got the staff, you got your community. What are you doing to take care of yourself mentally, physically? Um, you know, well, thank you for asking. It's been a trying time. Um, you know, on one hand, it's the the first part, March and April were so rough. Mm. Uh, and it, but once I sort of came off of the peak of going through the like just total loss and and fear of of the unknown and um and did get some government assistance and it felt a little bit more you know, confident about, about the, um, business's future, uh, the opportunity to really slow down and to be with my family has been a huge, um, a huge source of, of comfort and really welcome, um, time. And 
beyond that, I have a dog. Um, I have a German Shepherd named Bear who's just a year old, and I walk him for many miles every morning. <laughs> and I would say that that's probably one of the best parts of my whole day because I can either listen to a book on tape or a podcast or nothing at all and um, go, you know, super early before my kids are awake and, and when it's still relatively cool out. And I would say that that's been one of the saving graces of of this whole pandemic is, is having a big fur Mm, yes <laughs> how old is bear uh he just turned a year all right yeah, yeah he's, he's got lots of energy he's got lots of energy he's awesome um he's always you know happy and excited and doesn't know anything about a virus slowing him down so don't you love that <laughs> we got three dogs man i love it so much they're just like it's so hard to have a have a dog around like that that's all happy and wants to go on a walk it's it, you just can't help but just pull in a little bit of that light through osmosis from them um man yeah. oh that's so cool i'm glad you have that you need that you got to take care of yourself you got so much going on it's crazy um and you, yeah, you, you gotta not. you gotta you know you gotta refill that cup yours wanting something from me right now and i don't even know what it is they're just looking at me longingly across, across the room like what are you doing oh that's hilarious that's a, well speaking uh, of that I'll, I'll let you roll because you do have a lot going on and you have a staff meeting coming up um but uh well yeah you know what tomorrow morning or whenever check out that rogan podcast with if especially if you already know the folks out at felix it's really good um you know awesome. a little bit uh, unti- well, not t- a little bit dated slightly with, you know, just the, what was happening with the virus. Cause it seemed to be, you know, mm-hmm. trending in the right direction then. But other than that, boy, it's awesome. And, uh, I will connect you with Karen at Montana and Sean Stokes here in Durham, who, who uh, did the, uh, proposal and folks, again, if you want a copy of that support at schedulefly.com, just let me know. I'll send it to you. Uh, Emily, take care, stay safe. Uh, y'all are awesome. We love you. We're proud to serve you. Tell your staff the same. And uh, if I can do anything, you always know where I am. Uh, Will, thank you so much. Love our catch-ups. And thank you for always taking the time. Um, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. We'll make it happen. All right. See you. All right. Have a good one. All Stay right. safe. You too. See you. Bye. All right, folks. That's a wrap.